Welcome to the First Baptist Cadillac podcast. First Baptist Cadillac is a growing intergenerational family of faith whose mission is to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Join us each week as we engage God's word together. We would love to hear from you. Please contact us at firstbaptistcadillac.org or text WELCOME to 231-261-1112. And we do have a special treat for you this morning as uh, Rich Langton is going to be bringing our message this morning. That if Pastor Chad had planned to do like a, a throwback Sunday, um, he accomplished that just by going on vacation. Because some of you feel like you maybe entered through a, uh, a little time warp or a portal or whatever, a wormhole. I don't know what they're called. I forget sometimes. But you get the idea. Because you got Mac up here singing, you got Plater up here praying, and you got me preaching today. And so, um, yeah, just kind of a throwback to First Baptist days of old. But uh, we're glad that you're here and trust you'll stick around and not just take off uh, as we we get started here, but you know, 30 years ago today, uh, this morning, July 11th, um, I stood in a hospital in Holland, Michigan, holding my firstborn child in my arms, and uh, my daughter Katie turns 30 today, and it just seems kind of surreal because the other part of Katie's arrival that I can never uh, take apart from that reality is that 10 days later, on July 21st. Uh, that little baby and uh, my wife and I traveled to Cadillac and met with a, a search committee that was uh, formed at that time looking for an associate pastor. And uh, so 30 years ago, um, made my way to Cadillac, and it still just seems kind of crazy at times that that, uh, that time has gone. But, uh, you know, I got scoffs up here on the front row and Lytles, and it's just like, man, this is kind of the old First Baptist Church that I remember here. So it's uh, kind of crazy, but actually just honored to be able to be asked by Pastor Chad to come and to speak this morning, I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 as we get started with this morning's message. And uh, the title gives away a lot of what we're going to be talking about. It simply says, do not be anxious about your life. Do not be anxious about your life. Matthew 6, we're going to pick it up with, uh, with verse 24, and I'm just going to read to you through verse 34. So we've got about 10 verses here that I want us to think about together this morning. Matthew 6, 24. Jesus is speaking here, and he says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not of more value? Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They don't toil or spin. And yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O men of little faith? Therefore don't be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things shall be yours as well. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. One of the realities of our world is that there are some kings and uh, even, I would say, other governmental systems or leaders who find it very effective to keep their subjects in constant anxiety. If the people are anxious about their life and and worry about where their next meal is coming from, then perhaps they'll be more willing to do the king's bidding in order to get the food that they need from the king's storehouses. Anxiety keeps them in their place. Fear makes the the monarchy or the other system firm. One of the greatest things about Jesus is that he does not want his people to be anxious. I'm going to give you your two takeaways. How shall we then live up front? So I'm just going to call them take-home points because it's not time for how should we then live yet, right? Because we're all trained as Pastor Chad has trained us. So I'm going to give you two take-home truths that we're going to look at throughout the course of this message. I'm just going to give you the main points right up front. So if you're getting ready to nap, you got those and you can take them home with you. I understand. Uh, I get it. So here it is. The main point of today's text is that God does not secure his kingship in your life by cultivating anxiety. God doesn't secure his place in your life by cultivating anxiety. On the contrary, really, the aim of God's kingship is to set us free from anxiety. Right? There are systems in our world, even sometimes within our families, where fear is the motivator. It causes anxiety. It causes you to, to wonder, what do I need to do? How do I need to act? What is it that, that's expected of me? In order to continue to receive the things that I need and the blessings that I long for. God doesn't need to keep us anxious in order to establish his power and his superiority. Instead, God exalts his power and superiority by working to take away our anxiety. That's your take-home truths for today, okay? So if you're a Christian... If you're, if you're a Christian, if you've been born again, if you have turned away from sin and are following Jesus as Lord in, in obedience, his will for you this morning is clear from this passage. He wants you to not be anxious about anything, but that you would enjoy the, the deep serenity, the deep peace, the deep security that comes in a relationship with him. Jesus spoke these words in Matthew 6 precisely for you this morning as his children to help you overcome whatever it is that's making you anxious this morning. 
And I'm not going to spend a bunch of time about what's making you anxious this morning because we could spend the rest of this day talking about reasons to be anxious in our world today. There's so much. There's so much. And I guess I chose this text even for today because I need it myself as much as any of you. It seems that I feel anxious at some point every day. Now, not to the point where I'm debilitated and can't move, and and it's probably just some weird quirk in my personality or some remnant of imbalanced parental upbringing. I'm not sure. More likely, it's probably because of sin in my life that it causes me to be anxious in this way. And, And at times, it's almost as if I can't do the next thing because I'm so worried or so anxious. But whatever the reason, it's a real experience that I don't like. And I have to deal with it, like I said, almost every day. And so this sermon is for me as much as it is for you because I'm guessing you're not that different from me. Right? I mean, teachers get anxious. I know that because I'm married to one, right? So that's an insider one right there. Teachers get anxious. Retirees get anxious. Farmers get anxious. Young people get anxious. Pastors get anxious. Everybody gets anxious about things that come into their day. There's days when when I sit in a parking lot getting ready to go into one of the plants that I work at, and it's almost like I just don't want to open the door. Not because I don't enjoy what I'm doing or I don't feel called by God to do it or because I don't feel equipped to do it. It's just that unknown sense of, I don't know what's going to happen in there today. And I'm going to guess that you have days like that too. And so we need a word from the Lord this morning to remind us that that his, his kingship, his lordship in our lives is not built on the anxiety of his people. He's made himself king for the very opposite purpose, again, to take away that anxiety. And in my own life, again, that sheer statement from the Lord that he doesn't want me to be anxious has a great tendency to help me find that place of peace, that place of security. Usually just through reminding myself of of passages like this, it goes away. It goes away. And we're able to move on and continue. But when you add to that, not only the words of this passage, but the reasons he gives throughout this passage, his word becomes tremendously powerful in our lives. So I want to spend the rest of our time together looking at some of the reasons that Jesus gives for his children to not be anxious, found here in Matthew chapter 6. Now, everybody can see plainly, I think, that when we read this passage, the main point of the text is that disciples of Jesus should not be anxious. Now, it doesn't mean you won't ever be anxious, but you shouldn't stay there, right? Because verse 25, Jesus says, don't be anxious about your life. Verse 31 says, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? Verse 34 says, do not be anxious about tomorrow. So one thing that ought to ring in our ears when we leave this place this morning is that Jesus doesn't want me to be anxious, But that's just the negative way of stating the point of this passage. There's a positive way that also is found in verse 33. And that is that namely, instead of being anxious, Jesus calls us to seek first God's kingdom. 
In other words, when, when you think about your life or your food or your clothes or your spouse or your job or your mission, don't fret about them. Instead, choose to make God the king in that affair. And in that moment, hand over that situation to his power and do his will with the confidence that God will work for you and meet your needs. To seek the kingship of God in, in every affair and in every moment of life is an is a enjoyable way to live. It's full of freedom and peace and joy and adventure and hardship. Uh, and it's worth it all. It's worth it all. If you believe in the kingship of your heavenly Father, you don't need to be anxious. And let's look at some of the reasons that Jesus gave us as to why that is. And I just want to acknowledge that some of these uh, eight reasons are, are in part due to the great work of uh, Pastor John Piper. I've taken a few of his ideas and folded them in with some of these other ones, so I just want to say that up front. But I see at least eight reasons that Jesus gives to his disciples about why we shouldn't be anxious. And so I'm going to try to go through them all um, because I'm not sure which, I can't pick and choose because I don't know which one God is going to use to speak to you this morning, but I trust he will. The first one is this. Life is more than food and clothing. Jesus says you don't need to be anxious because life is more than food and clothing. Don't be anxious, verse 25, about your life or what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you're going to put on. Why? Jesus says because life is more than food and the body is more than clothing. But what does that mean? Why do we tend to get anxious about food and clothing? Because there's at least three things that we would lose if we didn't have food and clothing. First of all, we'd lose some pleasure, right? Food tastes good. I obviously believe that and practice in that. Um, in fact, the guy that was here in 1991 doesn't look a whole lot like the guy who's standing here in front. But, you know, that's how it works, right, Mac? I mean, that's just life. It's pleasurable to eat. And second... We would also lose maybe some, some human praise and some admiring glances if we didn't have nice clothes. Third, we, we'd lose long life if we didn't have any food at all or we weren't protected from the weather with, with warm clothes, especially in the wintertime. So we get anxious about food and clothing because we don't want to lose physical pleasure or human praise or the length of our life. And to this, Jesus responds. If you're gripped by anxiety over these things, you've lost sight of the greatness of life. If you're, if you're filled with anxiety about, about your food and your clothing and the length of your life, you've lost sight of the greatness of what this life is really all about. Life wasn't given primarily for physical pleasures, but for something even greater, the enjoyment of of God. Life wasn't given for the approval of man, but it was given for something greater, the approval of God. And life wasn't even given to try to extend it out as long as we can on this earth, but it was given for something greater, an eternity with God in an age to come. Jesus says we ought not be anxious about food and clothing because food and clothing can't provide the great things of life. 
the enjoyment of God, the pursuit of, of his favor, the hope of an eternity in his presence. We get anxious about food and clothing to the same degree that we lose sight of the great purposes of a God-centered life. God calls us to focus our lives on him. The second reason that Jesus gives for not being anxious is, is found in verse 26. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? What we see when we look at the birds isn't a lesson in laziness, right? Birds are a lot of things. They're not lazy. They dig up their worms. They snatch up the bugs. They pad their nests with strings and with leaves and all of those things. But Jesus says that it's God that feeds them. What we see when we look at the bird is a creature who doesn't act as though God is only a merciful provider for today, but he won't be tomorrow. Again, birds, don't, birds aren't squirrels, right? Squirrels hoard everything, put it all away in little patches. Uh, interesting, I was at one of my clients the other day, and they were pulling a gas tank out of somebody's car because they thought there was an issue with it. And sure enough, there was probably enough sunflower seeds in a little hole on the top of this gas tank to last a squirrel a whole summer or winter, I mean. And they had chewed through the gas lines, right? Because squirrels do that kind of stuff. They're stupid. They're squirrels. Well, they're not stupid. They're part of God's creation, and they're wonderful, but they're squirrels. But birds don't do that. Birds don't store things up. Birds don't put things away. They don't hoard as if they're afraid that God is somehow not going to provide. They go about their work as though when the sun comes up tomorrow, God's going to still be God. There's still going to be worms. There's still going to be bugs. And I'm going to still have the food that I need necessary. So how much more then should we also reckon with that reality and mercy of God tomorrow because we're not just birds. We're the children of our Heavenly Father. The biggest difference between a disciple of Jesus and a bird is that we have the capacity of honoring God by our faith. And God values that faith being exercised way more than he even values birds. And so we shouldn't be anxious because the birds have taught us that God can be counted on to work for us tomorrow just as much as today. And that's an important lesson for us. The third lesson, third reason not to be anxious is found in verse 27. Which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his span of life? This argument is Jesus being purely pragmatic. Anxiety gets you nowhere it doesn't do you any good. Whatever problem is causing you to feel anxious, you can, you can be sure that your anxiety will do nothing to lessen the problem. It will only make you miserable while you try to deal with it. In our family, we have this discussion a lot because Sometimes some of us feel that being anxious about things is part of the solution to the problem, but it's not. It really isn't. Worrying does nothing for us. It, it, that is such an easy thing to say and yet a hard thing to do, and I understand that. 
But God wants you to hear through the words of Jesus that being anxious does nothing for you. It is useless. All it does is create issues and struggles and problems. So that's the third reason to not be anxious. Fourth, God delights to adorn things. Okay? So, so this is how this goes. The fourth reason Jesus gives is, is found in verses 28 through 30. And this time it comes not from birds, but from lilies. Why are you anxious about clothing? Jesus asks. He says, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now when you look at a lily, or pick your own flower, I don't think it's exclusive to lilies, the reality, right? But when you look at a lily or a flower, you know that it doesn't have any will of its own to labor or spin. And yet it's adorned with a beautiful form and color. If you believe in God, you need to draw at least one conclusion from looking at this. And that is this. God delights to adorn things. Another example would simply be fish. Most of us don't see fish that often. But every once in a while, some of you have had an opportunity to go down someplace warm and you put a little piece of glass over your face and you stick your face in that water and you realize there is a whole, it didn't just take the little mermaid to tell you this, there's a whole other world under the sea, right? I mean, and, and, and a lot of you won't even see that except in pictures. But there's a whole other world that exists that you don't even see. Don't try to tell me for one second that God doesn't love to adorn things. He's made beautiful things that most of the human creation will never even notice or see, but somehow in his mind and in his heart, he just loves to do it. Plants are the same way. There's flowers, there's, there's plants that grow, and they're beautiful, and they're detailed, and in the way that they're, they're made up. And Jesus says... That if God delights by adorning grass that's here today and gone tomorrow, then surely his delight in adornment will express itself in how he clothes his children. Somebody might say, well, well God hasn't adorned me, right? And I get that. He hasn't adorned the poor Christians of our land or overseas, right? Are you sure? Are you sure about that, though? Because very few of us are dressed like Solomon. I get that. But you know, we wouldn't be able to do our work if we were. Those big flowing robes aren't all they're cracked up to be. It's kind of tough to do much of anything with all that jazz on, right? I would only ask you this. Have you ever seen a disciple of Jesus who didn't have the adornment that they needed to do what God had called them to do? Huh? Be careful, because you could say, well, yeah, no, I, I knew, well, I don't know. Don't measure the perfection of God's provision by some standard other than his own. And don't forget that when we have finished carrying our crosses on torn shoulders in this life, like Jesus, 
there'll be kingly robes for us all someday. So we can worry about that stuff down the road. But right now, don't be anxious about your adornment. God's given you what you need to accomplish the things that he's called you to. Fifth reason to not be anxious is that unbelievers are anxious about food and clothing. The fifth and sixth reasons really are, are given in verse 32. We shouldn't be anxious about what we eat or drink or wear because the Gentiles seek all of these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Anxiety about the things of this world puts us on the same level with a world of unbelievers, Jesus says. It shows that we're really very much like the world in what makes us happy. And Jesus says that ought not to be. And that one really is just about that simple. Do you ever feel like you maybe don't quite fit in? You know, I always think about Christmas time, right? And, and some of the commercials on TV. I have yet, in my now 56, almost seven years, I have yet to wake up on Christmas morning and find some German-made car in my driveway with a bow on top. <laughs> Doesn't happen in my house. I don't know where all those people get those cars with the big bows on top, but that doesn't happen in my life. But you know what? I could care less because that's not what I'm doing this for. That's not why I'm here to try to find those things that the world says are valuable and important. Those things really don't matter. Again, if it was a nice new Dodge Ram, I might talk a little bit, but that's, you know, that's not the case either. But, but it's one of those things. Th those, those things ought not have that kind of power over us to cause us to be anxious because we don't have those things. Your Father, Jesus says, knows your needs. The sixth reason, again, is really just that your Father knows your needs. It shows that we don't think the Father in heaven knows what we need when we allow ourselves to exhibit that kind of anxiety over things. Perhaps we don't even think that, that he has the heart of a loving Father. Anxiety sometimes can show us that maybe we're too close to the world and too far from God. So don't be anxious. The world really has nothing eternal to offer. And your, heaven, your loving Heavenly Father knows your needs now and into eternity. Seventh reason is this, that God will carry your burdens if you seek first His honor. The seventh reason for not being anxious is found in verse 33. And it's a, a, a favorite verse for many people. It's a, it's a common verse that people have tucked away in their mind. It's that when you seek the kingdom of God, God says that he will work for you and provide your needs. I don't know that any of us in this room really understand what a promise that is. The God of this universe, the God who made it all, who owns it all, who continues to, to keep it all spinning and going and moving, says, I'll work for you to provide your needs. Keyword needs. I get it. The best reason to stop being anxious is that when you do, 
God takes that stuff himself. Another passage in Peter that talks about casting our burdens, casting our anxieties on God. God says, I'll carry that stuff for you. You don't need to carry it. It's such a foolish thing sometimes that we do to insist on on carrying burdens which God has promised to carry for us when we put his kingly honor first in everything that we do. Then the eighth and the last argument in verse 34 says, Do not be anxious for tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. In other words, in God's plan, God's plan that was set about before the earth even began to spin, God is appointed to each day its portion of pleasure and trouble. And as your days, so shall your strength be. So don't misappropriate God's allotted troubles for tomorrow. Don't bring them forward in today in the form of anxiety. Believe that God will still be God tomorrow. God has already planned and plotted that life for you. And he says, don't don't borrow trouble from another day. Tomorrow will have its own challenges, trust me. It'll be okay, though. But don't pull that stuff into today. Again, the main point of all of these things is clear and unmistakable. This is one of those messages that really almost kind of preaches itself. Jesus doesn't want his followers to be anxious. He doesn't secure his kingdom by keeping his subjects in a state of worry. I'm just so thankful for that. That God's grace, God's peace, doesn't depend on us achieving a certain list of good things in any given day. It doesn't require us to to meet some kind of purity standard before we get his seal of approval kind of a thing, right? We're not like food or something. It's a hard lesson for a lot of us to learn because a lot of us, somewhere maybe even along the way in our Christian walk, we had a lot of heavy things laid on us by well-intentioned people. I get that. They wanted us to learn how to live holy lives. But somewhere in the midst of that, we, we allowed those goals for holiness to take the place of seeking God's kingdom. And we allowed those things to to change our view of God as a loving, heavenly Father who knows our needs and desires to give those needs to us. And somehow we allowed ourselves to get to a point of saying, yeah, I know God loves me, but if I mess up, he's going to zap me. He's going to come after me somehow, and he's going to mess it all up. And I need to do these things, right? The, The key to this whole passage is it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with your faithful and loving Heavenly Father making a promise and being the only one in this entire creation who can actually keep it. 
Because all of us probably too have made promises to God about, well, this time it's going to be different and this time I'm going to do better and, and just come on, give me one more chance. And we failed him. But the father never fails his children. This father never fails to do just what he said. Jesus came, he lived, he died, he rose from the dead in order that he might reign as king over an anxiety-free people. So come to Jesus. If you haven't before, come to Jesus today. Forsake other allegiances. Take your vow of loyalty to the King of Kings and, and seek first in all that you do to make known his kingship over your life. This and this alone is the way to freedom from anxiety. For those of you that know Jesus and have walked with him for years, but you've allowed some of those, some of those anxieties and worries and concerns to creep into your life, I challenge you today to, to in a sense, throw it back to the, to the old days. Throw it back to when, when your faith in Christ was new and fresh and you believed the things he said to you. Don't allow what you perceive as your experience of, of maybe having failure in some of those things. Change the way that you see God. Take him at his word. Trust that he'll work for you. Trust that he is for you, not against you. And allow the dynamic of that relationship to allow you to spend the rest of your days and into eternity free from anxiety and worry. Would you pray with me? Father, today I just, I thank you so much for this church family. I thank you for the truth that's proclaimed behind this pulpit on a regular basis, that you've blessed our church with pastors who speak the truth. And I trust that today, Father, you would allow the trust or the truths of, of the words that have been spoken to penetrate, that you'd allow all of the rest of the stuff to fall off that, that doesn't ring true to your word. And Father, I pray that you would help us to be people who are free of anxiety and that because of that, it also would lead others to ask us how we do it. How do you live like that? How is it that you don't have the worries that I have? And it allows us to, to speak about you and to share the truth and the reality of what it means to be your child. So fill us with that today, we ask, in Jesus' name.